anyway, I you know I would get slug attacks and I get this and but never anything that made me even think about using a pesticide or anything. Right. I never used anything. So I was there for six or seven years. I never used anything. I never used fertilizer and I never used pesticides in my garden. Hey there, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to episode 41 of the Maritime Gardening Podcast. And just like we do every week, how you doing, Greg? I'm doing great. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, things are trucking along. It's been warm. It's been cool. It's been hot. It's been muggy. It's been raining. This rain's been great. I don't know how many people watch my video on moving plants on rainy. We had an episode ages ago on rainy day gardening, and I yeah. did a video video of that. I don't know how... Let oh, me oh. dig into that right now while you're still talking. I don't know how well it came off, but uh, yeah. anyway, that's that's not the only you know. I've been every time I know there's going to be rain, especially like like the last couple of days. Like there was rain yesterday and today, so yesterday I moved everything I could think of that could possibly move, yeah. and uh, it makes such a huge difference. That all the plants I moved. Uh, I mean, if you can. If you're moving a plant, you can get all the roots and a good, right. good, good hunk of soil with the roots. The plant doesn't know it's moved, but sometimes, right. like, so I've got a garden, and we're going to be talking about kale today, so this is apropos. But uh, I've got a garden that I'm calling the uh, kale salad garden. Mm-hmm. I plan to do an episode uh, when that's when that garden's fully ready to harvest. And it's going to be a while because it's got Brussels sprouts, and they take a while. Uh, we can do an episode on uh, how to make. Kale salad dressing, just like in the store, just like store bought. Mm. Um, but anyway, um, there's only two rows of Scotch curly kale. And in, in my garden, this is a four by ten garden, so a row is four feet wide. Mm-hmm. So it's not a lot. Um, but when I plant planted these, and I planted these under that hoop house, I have to check out the hoop house video mm-hmm. uh, way back in like I don't know, first uh, of April sort of thing. Yeah. So those plants are a foot high now, right? Like we're eating kale. You know, I just made a mess of greens this evening. Nice. Um, but anyway, um, you put the seeds a, an inch apart. So once those plants start getting big, you've got too many plants. I mean, a kale plant should be a hand span apart mm-hmm. or at least three inches apart, you know, because they get big. You don't want the leaves touching each other or, right. or you want them barely touching each other because the more the leaves are um, intermingled and stuff like that, it just makes it a... The air doesn't get to them. You just get more problems with pests and diseases and all mm-hmm. kinds of things like that. And also the roots don't have as much, uh, right. you know, uh, uh, free reign to, mm-hmm. to roam and gather up nutrients and stuff like that. So uh, where I'm going with all of this is that those two rows of kale, this is Scotch curly kale, I've moved them to all kinds of places, everywhere I could jam them in my garden. Mm-hmm. So from those two rows of kale, I've got the equivalent of six rows now. Wow. Just from moving plants, right? And when you're moving them like that, you're not getting a nice root ball. You're just sort of pulling them out, you're practically bare rooting them. You're just yanking them out of the ground, jamming them back in. Yeah. So they really uh, suffer. And I don't think I don't know how much I talked about this in the video, but uh, when you do that, you, you take off some of the lower, uh, I guess if it's kale, the branches, you know, the lower leaves, because uh, that reduces the amount of strain on the root system. They're they're gonna die anyway. Like you'll notice after. A week, the lower uh, the lower leaves will just start losing their color and stuff like the plant will give them up 
to to favor the younger ones, right? Mm. Um, so just snap them off and, and eat them. Nice. <laughs> you know, that that day sort of thing. Yeah. Anyway, all, all the plants I moved uh, yesterday, uh, I moved. I, I filled an entire garden yesterday with kohlrabi that I moved, and uh, they're all doing fine, and they're all practically bare rooted. So this is this is just great, and uh, yeah. Yeah. All this rain, and then tomorrow and the next few days we'll have lots of sun, and uh, yeah. Uh, awesome. so for me, the garden's doing great right now. Excellent. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk about kale today, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, the main pests. At least in my experience, there's lots of different things that can affect kale, mm-hmm. but the main, the big three, the three real pests that I've had problems with over the years. And I, I guess to back up a little bit, before I lived in my current property, I used to live in an area that I would describe as suburban. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for people in Nova Scotia, I mean, I lived in Wolfville, which you'd say, well, that's, that's the country. <laughs> yeah. But if you live within a two or three minute walk of the university, it's effectively a suburb. You're on city, yeah. you're on municipal water, you've got municipal sewer, and, you know, you, your neighbors, everybody's, you know, there's a typical... Yeah. Canadian neighborhood with bungalows and split little, you know, there's people around, and yeah. if you hit a baseball in any direction, you'll break a window. It's, it's right. a suburb, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, when I lived there, I grew kale and kohlrabi, and by the way, I, I grew it before it was cool to like kale. <laughs> yeah, certainly right. before people were making kale yeah. shakes. Have you ever had a kale shake? I personally have not. And neither have I. Mm. I never will. <laughs> don't get that. I, mean, I want bananas in my shake. You know? That's true. I, I'm more of a fruit shake kind of guy. If I'm yeah, honest. exactly. But hey, uh, anyway. if that's your thing, if that's oh, your whatever. thing. Oh, whatever. Grow your kale. Make your kale shake. Huh? Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I never had problems with pests. I mean, I would plant kale uh, quite early in the year because it just warms up a lot quicker there. And same with kohlrabi. They're the same family, the brassica family. Um, all those plants that are related to the mustard are, are brassicas, so your radishes, kale, kohlrabi, broccoli, cauliflower, mm-hmm. um, they're all related, and they all are um, attacked by the same same kinds of pests. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I you know, I would get slug attacks, and I get this, and, but never anything that made me even think about using a pesticide or anything. Right. I never used anything... So I was there for six or seven years. I never used anything. I never used fertilizer, and I never used pesticides in my garden. Mm-hmm. Everything just took care of itself. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when I moved here, it was the same sort of thing. I would plant them. I mean, you, you'd get a bit of it. You'd get a little attack here, a little attack there. But but 90% or 95% of the crop would make it. And some some leaves might have a few holes in them, but who cares? You know, not, yeah. not trying to sell this at you know, a fancy grocery store. I'm just, you know, I, I, I chop all my greens up and cook them. I, I like them just lightly sautéed with uh, olive oil and garlic and stuff like that. That's just how we, I mean, my, we make, put them in our salad too a, a bit, but uh, um, mainly I, I like uh, spinach and, and lettuce in a salad. I, yeah. When it comes to like those heavier greens like um, Swiss chard and kale and kohlrabi, uh, I like them cooked. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I didn't have too many problems here either. A, a bit of bit of predation, a few attacks here or there, but no big deal. But then we had that insane winter 
which I believe was 2015. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just a crazy uh, winter, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember in April 1st, which is beginning of fishing season, yeah. I normally hike out to the lake. There's a lake about a kilometer behind my house in the forest here. Yeah. I normally hike out there and get my canoe in the water and you know, I, I try to go, I go fishing, but I never catch anything on the opening. It's just too right. cold. It's Fish aren't active, but you're, anyway, I do it every year. Um, but on April 1st that year, there was four feet of ice on the lake. That's crazy. <laughs> so I'm normally canoeing, and there was four feet of ice. Four feet. Right? We went out there, we brought the ice auger, and we went, we, we checked, it was four feet of ice. That's crazy. Yeah, so that's, yeah. you know, a seriously... Uh, Different different or dramatic climatic event and that spring i had pests i had slugs like i'd never seen before i had grasshoppers i had uh, all kinds of problems and and i didn't know what the hell was going on in my garden i just uh and i you know because i'm a permaculture gardener and all all the literature you read on this uh approach to gardening it it just says well you know uh, uh if you just leave it um if you have an abundance of a certain kind of pest, then uh, some sort of beneficial organism, whether it's an animal or an insect, will uh, will be drawn by that abundance, and mm-hmm. that it'll come in and take it out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's correct, but that might take a number of years. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I think what happened, because ever since that winter, I have never seen a snake in my garden. And I used to see them all the time. It scared life scare me to death sometimes because they're quite quite big, yeah. uh, big garter snakes. Uh, and I haven't seen any. I haven't seen any grass snakes, and I haven't seen any garter snakes. And they they eat slugs, right? Mm-hmm. And they eat other pests too. Yeah. And just weird things like that, you know. Uh, I, th- I remember that year I'd never seen so many horse flies in my garden. And then uh, towards the end of the summer, all of a sudden there was dragonflies everywhere you go mm-hmm. in the garden there were like millions of dragonflies mm-hmm. it was just a weird everything was out of balance yeah and i've had pest problems ever since uh and the three main pests that i've had problems with are slugs and snails primary slugs i've got three kinds of slugs in my i didn't even know there was three kinds of slugs in yeah. nova scotia you used to just to see the those uh brownie yellow uh blonde ones yeah stereotypical kind i mm-hmm. i don't even know what you'd call yeah. that color yeah. um it's sort of a brown yellow gross taupe <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, slugs and another pest that i'd never seen before is uh what's called uh some people call them cabbage worms or uh white white butterfly uh caterpillars i guess okay. it's a, a caterpillar they're called cabbage worms but it's a caterpillar and the other thing i'd never seen before was flea beetles and all of these things i started noticing and having problems with uh after that big uh, intense winter mm-hmm. and they're really uh they they can really compromise your crop i mean that that year i hardly had any kale at all I and mean, my family we love eating greens we eat greens like three or four or five times a week mm-hmm. uh, as a as a main course in the meal Mm-hmm. You know, like everyone has a huge hunk of it on their plate. Yeah. Um, we eat as much of that as uh, my son likes that more than French fries. To give you an example, that's awesome. And he's eight, so that's unheard of. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, uh, 
anyway, so I thought I'd do an episode and just focus on those particular pests because I know a lot of people like kale, and it's a, a popular um, thing to eat. And if you're trying to grow them for the first time and, you're, and they're just like disappearing out of your garden, <laughs> mm. maybe you think, oh, I'm just not a good gardener or I don't have a green thumb. Or if, if it's your first garden... And the one thing you want is kale, and they're all dying. Yeah. <laughs> a bit demoralizing, yeah. uh, but it might just there might be some really easy solutions for that. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Cool. With no further ado. <laughs> yes. So what should we talk about first? Uh, oh, the first thing I want to talk about is the different kinds of kale, because I have found that different kinds of kale have different levels of resistance to the pests. Mm. And I haven't read this anywhere. Maybe I, mean, I haven't really looked that hard, but uh, I haven't come across it. So I have three kinds of kale in my garden. I've got Scotch curly kale. That's the kind that you normally see at the grocery store, the kind that's in the bags of kale salad. Yeah. Um, and uh, I grow a red Russian kale, although all the seeds I saved from my red Russian kale have created a variety of kale that's not red. Oh. <laughs> so I have white Russian kale. Mm, it's <laughs> white Russian. <laughs> White, the Belarusian, um, and uh, and the lacinato kale, which I have never successfully grown in my garden. It gets attacked so badly. So I mention them in that order because that's the order of their ability to resist predation from pests. The, the Scotch curly kale is the most pest resistant. I have no idea why. The uh, red Russian kale is intermediate. Mm-hmm. It's very vulnerable when it's young. And the lacinato kale, which is the best tasting kale, in my opinion, at least cooked, it's delicious. Mm. Um, that one is extremely vulnerable to everything. Like It's almost like the more I like the kale, the more the bugs like it, too. Well, they, they, th- they have the same palate. They have excellent taste. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> very refined. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, if, if, if scotch curly kale is the one you like, then don't bother with the other two because they're more difficult to grow because the pests like them more. I mean, this might be different if, I mean, I, 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 as I said before, my garden backs onto a forest. So I've got, uh, you know, it's a real wild system here. Yeah. And it's, it's surrounded by a field which is full of pests. Mm. It's just a wild system, yeah. which is different than if you're in a suburb where there's just not the right. same sort of things adjacent right. to your your garden. So, you know, uh, someone in, in, in the city or in a suburban area, they some of this might not even apply to them. Mm. And, and, and that's great, more power to you. Um, but if you're having problems, uh, let's talk about that. So, so that's a quick talk about varieties. Um, slugs. Uh, you can tell you've got slug damage because they just they chew the ends off the uh, plant. They make holes in your plant. They'll cut the uh, leaves right off. Hmm. And I've got different kind. I've got the long kind. I've got, I've got tiny, teeny, tiny slugs, really small, like the size of a piece of rice. Some of them, really oh. small. Yeah, and they still they'll do all kinds of damage. Hmm. Um, I get I get black ones. I get gray ones. I get all kinds of weird slugs in my garden, hmm. and. Uh, if if you you should do a video on that. Should, I, I think, show uh, I'm going. I plan to do a video yeah. this week as well on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just need a day where it's not too windy. And anyone that's yeah. watched my videos, it's it's. Do it, you think my garden was the windiest place in the world? <laughs> uh, and it's it's the least windy part of my property. It's why I put the garden there. But it's still windy. Greg's out on Sable Island. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, I plan to tr- do one this week, and because I've got. 
some affected plants. Yeah. And uh, I can also show you the solutions, uh, or at least the things I'm trying. Mm. Uh, anyway, if you if you think you've got any kind of pest in your garden, go out to your garden at different times of the day and just get close and look at what's going on. Even get a magnifying glass, right? Uh, if, you, if you think, if, if you're getting predation, go out early in the morning before the sun comes up. If there's slugs everywhere, it's slugs. <laughs> right? yeah. And it's pretty easy to see slug damage because it just looks like something's eating your plant. A tiny, a tiny person is eating your plant. Yeah. Um, when your plants are very young, the first two leaves your plant puts out, which usually don't resemble the subsequent leaves, they're called cotyledons. Mm -hmm. And the plant, the seed makes those and their job is to gather sun and send that back down to the roots and allow the plant to put out the next leaves so this is a very vulnerable stage of the plant's life mm -hmm. those two first two leaves have to be immaculate because they're like you know uh solar power generators sort yeah. of thing right <laughs> Um, you know, so if they get damaged, it's over for the plant. The plant's dead, right? If you kill those two leaves, the plant, even though there's a root, the root's just going to die because it's just got the system can't can perpetuate itself. Yeah. And you can have a slug just come along and take out a whole row like that. Yeah. Right? Um, so things are disappearing. you got to get out. And, and slugs, if you think it's slugs, they're out in the morning when it's still dewy and before the sun's really up. Once mm -hmm. the sun comes up, they go and usually go and hide somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so to diagnose that. So if you find out you've got slugs, then you got to do something about it. Uh, so my first year with all these problems, I tried all the real, you know, uh, environmental, uh, really hippie sort of <laughs> approaches. Uh, right. Go out in the morning and find them and squish them. Uh, make a little uh, beer bath. You know, you, you put a bowl of beer uh, below the soil grade, and they they're drawn to it, and they wander in, and wander into it, mm -hmm. and they they drown in it. I don't know if they get drunk and drown, or they drown. Again. <laughs> I don't know what what order ha happens? But anyway, they they want they're drawn to it. They go into it, and they don't come out. Yeah. Uh, another thing is uh, you put cardboard pieces of cardboard down between your rows, and they'll hide under the cardboard. When the sun comes out, kind of like vampires, yeah. you know, and then you just, you know, you go out and, you know, when you're having your coffee in the morning and flip the cardboard over and squish him, mm. uh, <laughs> right? Okay. Or you can, you know, shake salt all over him if you really want to make them die hard. But, yeah. um, uh, and another one, uh, is, uh, diatomaceous earth. Um, you know, you crush up eggshells and put that around your plants. That apparently they don't like to crawl over that. Yeah. I've heard people say you could put coffee gr coffee grounds down. They don't like that. Mm. Um, another thing I've read is uh, uh, putting copper. You put a ring of copper wire around the base of the plant because they, they apparently don't like to cross it because it creates some sort of electrical mm. current. That that anyway, I have all the things I just mentioned. I've tried all of them. Yeah. And none of them stop my slugs. Not only that, but when you've got a 2,500 square foot garden, it's it's a bit much. Yeah. Frigging around with little copper rings and shaking eggshells everywhere, and you know what I mean. It's just a bit much to stay on top. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I literally went out one morning. I wish I'd caught that on film, but I had a uh, a plant that had 
eggshells all around the ground. I'm talking like a an eight inch diameter field of eggshells. Yeah, it would be like you walking over glass with your bare feet. You wouldn't. That would uh, not be good. But having to cross like a you know half a football field to do right, um, and then at the center of that I had copper around the base of the plant, and I looked at the plant and there was three slugs on it. Mm. So uh, I'm not saying it doesn't slow them down or deter them or whatever, but not if you've got, a, you've got a real slug problem, a really, really serious slug problem on a, on a really serious scale, yeah. uh, at least in my experience, or at least the kind of slugs I have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem to do the job. Hmm. Um, and I I didn't resort to anything other than that that's that season, and I really, really, uh, probably the worst garden I ever had. Um so last season, I became aware of, uh, what's it called, uh, iron phosphate slug bait. So there, there's a number of different brands. Uh, you can get one called Slug Be Gone. Yeah. Um, there's another uh, company called Safers. They gave me um, a number of different uh, uh, products to try in my garden this year. They, they, they're not paying me any money. They just... Uh, you know, we were, I was in contact with them, and they said, "Why don't you try these out this year? And if you like them, you know, give us a yeah. give us a, a, a shout out sort of thing." So uh, I've tried their slug bait; it seems to be working. So what happens with the slug bait is it, it has a smell that they're drawn to. They eat it. It's got a iron in it, mm-hmm. and they just overdose. They get way too much iron. Their, their stomach can't handle it. it. It wrecks their stomach, and they stop eating and they starve to death and just go somewhere and die. Um, yes. <laughs> so you just sort of, you just broadcast that around the area where you think there are yeah. and they 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 go for that cuz it would be like throwing poison cake everywhere, right? You wouldn't be eating kale if there was cake everywhere. True enough. Go for the cake. Um, so they eat that. So that's and and that's it's it's environmentally at least from everything I've read it's benign. Right, your your soil can handle that. Most of it just breaks down. It puts if there's anything that stays in your soil, it's a bit of iron, which isn't a problem. Mm. So because uh, you know plants, some plants, most greens actually need iron anyway, yeah. and are a source of iron. So that's the solution for that. Um, that that I've found that where after all those other things, that's the one I've found. You know, I, I do firmly believe that once the snakes come back, they will hold the slugs in check. Yeah. Right. I I do believe that this will all work because I've my experience. The bulk of my experience as a gardener is not has been not having to need any of this stuff. So I think my system is just out of balance and it needs to return to balance. And in the meantime, I'm I'm creating the balance yeah. <laughs> with these products. Yeah. Um, but that one works perfectly fine. Uh, I'll put a link uh, up to uh, the the Safer's product um, just uh, to just to. Uh, in my way of thanking them for providing, they gave, they gave me a season's worth of these products to use in my garden, and nice. uh, that one works. I mean, if you're seeing slugs and they're eating your plants, and you broadcast that out, the slugs, the slug problem disappears. Yeah. <laughs> and you might have to reapply, you know, every ten days or every two weeks, um, but you don't have to keep doing it all season long. This is I only use any all the things I'm going to talk about today. I use these things when the plants are juvenile when they're really young. Right. Once the plants are a foot high, I just let them fend for themselves. I mean, a, the, some of them get a little bite here or there, get a little predation or whatever, but they they can handle that. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, I don't keep using the stuff all season long. It's just when the plants are really young and they can't handle having fifty mm-hmm. percent of their 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 biomass eaten away. Yeah. Because they just can't take it. 
Um, uh, another pest is called uh, cabbage worms or uh, white butterfly caterpillars. Uh, if you've got brassicas in your garden and you're sitting out there on a nice sunny afternoon and just being quiet and watching things happen, you might notice these pretty little white butterflies flitting around mm. and uh, landing all over the place. And what they're doing is putting eggs all over your your kale and your broccoli and your kohlrabi. And those eggs turn into these little maggot-like, worm-like, they're called worms, but they're, they're caterpillars, these little caterpillars, but they're perfectly camouflaged. You, really? you can't, yeah, they look just like the stem. Hmm. You re, they're really, I mean, you can see them if you really look, but it's not like you walk by and know, I mean, if you walk by, you can notice a slug. It's a different color than the plant. Yeah, yeah. These things are perfect camo, like a chameleon. Mm-hmm. Um, and those uh, caterpillars just eat, eat the hell out of your kale. <laughs> they really do a lot of damage because so, I mean, so kill the moths in the air while they're airborne. I, I do that actually. I you know the other day, I'm proud to say this. I had a knife in my hand and I literally, I literally like a samurai, I cut it in half, <laughs> right out of midair. And my son was there. He saw it. Um, He's like, Dad, you savage. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I tried to do that about eighty times the the previous day. So uh, it's you not need like to, I, you need to invent like a little a little mini shotgun that shoots like dust or powder. Any aircraft gun? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, Pierce Rappe is the uh, the name of the uh, right. the Latin name. Uh, anyway, these things do a ridiculous amount of damage, and uh, they're a real problem. So. The options for this, one thing is to put these fine, fine, fine mesh row covers over your plants. Right. Um, but then you got to lift it up every time you want to get at the plant. And I, I just and they don't last forever, so I I don't bother with them. Mm. Um, what I've used in the past is rhodanone, which I've talked about before on the show, um, which is a powder that's uh, made from a naturally occurring. Uh, Plant. I don't know if it's a synthetic form of it, but anyway, it's a, it's a uh, rhodanone is a, a chemical compound that exists occurs naturally in nature yeah. and it breaks down and, and breaks down quickly. In fact, uh, anyway, it's a powder and you put it on the leaves and the caterpillars eat it and they die. Um, that's a great one because you just put it on and walk away and let it do its work for a few days. Um, the thing I'm trying this year that Safers gave me is this stuff called Bacillus. Thuringiensis, so or BT as people like to call that it. That sounds good. <laughs> BT. Uh, anyway, it's. I wish I had the container in front of me here, but it's a bacteria that again occurs naturally in nature, but they've, you know, found a way to, to make it, mm. and uh, it damages the digestive system of the insects that eat it, and uh, it causes them to starve to death. <laughs> awesome <laughs> um, so uh, yeah that works that you know I, I don't know I, I have not tried this but for, I've done a lot of reading on it and number one it's it's benign environmentally it breaks down quickly and uh, but the other I think it's I heard that you, you should put it on in the evening because even a day's sunlight can break it down wow. um, yeah so once you see those moths or those butterflies flying around there's probably eggs and you want to get it when those egg, it's not worth putting on until the egg turns into a maggot that's going to start to eat. Right? It needs to be eaten. 
So those uh, caterpillars need to start eating the greens that have that stuff sprayed on them. It goes in their stomach, and then that's that's the end of them. Yeah. Um, so that's the other approach. You, you make a spray out of it. And finally, flea beetles. Um, that's the other thing. If uh, they tend to really uh, attack the young cotyledons, the, the the early leaves or or the secondary leaves that come out, and you can tell you've got them because your plant will look like somebody going back to your shotgun. Mm. It looks like someone took a shotgun yeah. to the young plant. There's yeah. tiny holes everywhere, and it really weakens the plant and really um, limits its ability to, you know, achieve its full potential. Wow. Uh, so, and they really like brassicas. Uh, so they're, you know, it's, uh, I never had them before. I lived here, but now I have them, and uh, it's a real problem. Yeah. Um, I've used rhododendron powder in the past um, to deal with it. Last year, that's what I used. It works well. Um, this year, because uh, Safers gave me uh, a product, I'm trying this stuff, uh, pyrethin insecticidal soap. It's called Safers End All. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a soapy... It's, it's like an insecticidal soap, I guess, but it's got this stuff called pyrethin in it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, this is one of those things that breaks down and uh, just goes away. Uh, pyrethin, I think, comes from a chrysanthemum. So it's, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> I was doing a bit of reading. They even use this in ancient China to some effect. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I mean, not, that's not this form. I'm sure this is a synth- synthetic version of that. But anyway, it breaks down very quickly in your soil and just sort of goes away. But you, you mix that and you get one of those spray canisters, right? You, you, you mix that with water and you, you pump your spray canister up and you, you're literally spraying a fog of death. It's it's a contact insecticide. So hmm. it's it's not like the uh, rhodonome where the insect has to eat it. With this, hmm. the insects have to be around. You've got to spray it on them. So you, you go out the time of day when you know they're most active which I find for flea beetles is is, is in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, maybe in the evening too. I just I don't tend to do anything like that in the evening. Anyway, you, you spray that and it just kills everything it comes across. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> it smells like lemons. Oh. It's citrusy, kind of nice. Lemon death. You say it doesn't bother, um, you know, the beneficials. I'm right. not exactly sure. Um, but... Uh, Anyway, it's I've been using that, and it's it has saved my brassicas so far. Wow! Uh, but you you got to apply it uh, I, once once a week. If I'm noticing damage, mm. I just give everything a good shot. So I got one container of it from them. I got actually they gave me two, but it, they gave me a one liter container of the concentrate. And I've got a large garden and a lot of greens, and I'm not even halfway through it. Wow. So that one container might be good for two seasons for me. Mm, that's good. Uh, yeah. So I don't know what these cost. Probably ten bucks or something like yeah. that. Maybe twenty. You know. But uh, if you want the instant gratification, <laughs> that's the way to go. <laughs> yeah, because with yeah. the rhododendron, you're sort of like laying out a trap. Yeah, yeah. And all, it's just like die, die, die. <laughs> just, does it, does it work with ants? Like just ants around the outside of your house too? I'm sure it would, you know, I don't know. Save me some, because this year's been absolutely ridiculous for ants outside of our house. And and some of them getting in. Do you use that, what's that other stuff, Ant Be Gone? That's what I use. Yeah, I use the regular Raid stuff, but I'll have to look into the uh, Ant Be Gone. Ant Be Gone's food. So they bring it back to their hive and they feed it to all their children. And then everybody just (laughs) disappears. 
it's mass murder. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. this the sticky, sugary, syrupy stuff. Okay. Yeah. They think is awesome, but it's yeah. really not. It's it's really the worst thing they've ever come across. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll have to do you'll have to do a whole a whole video or series on different pests and video up close, and maybe not necessarily the death, but hey, who knows? Snuff films of uh, yeah, in, snuff, let's in, watch in, this one die. Insecta uh, snuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! Whatever it takes to keep your garden flourishing. Exactly. Anyway, I, I found this stuff seems to seems to work. Also, the rotenone works. So that's those are the two, uh, two options for. Okay. And, and, and the roll covers. The roll covers will work if you get them uh, over your plants before the flea beetles find their way in. Yeah. Right. So if they were already in the soil and, and came up out of the soil, they're just gonna you're just holding them in with the roll covers. Yeah. Another strategy uh, I found to work this year. Uh, I planted some of my uh, some of my greens, like my uh, kohlrabi. I planted that early um, under plastic yeah. in those domes, yeah. and so they're grow- when they're when they're really young, when they're baby plants. Yeah. Uh, it's so early in the year, the flea beetles just aren't active that time of year. Right. So by the time they're big and mature and tough and strong, mm-hmm. that's when the flea beetles start attacking them, and they can take it a bit. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's another, that's a, probably the most, I mean, it's too late <laughs> for anyone listening. It's too late to do that now, but uh, for next year, but that is, I would say the best strategy is to start those things early, um, uh, under plastic outdoors and, uh, and then just take the plastic off when it's, you know, middle of March or May, something, you know, whenever, uh, the, the soil warms up, uh, and then they'll be mature enough to, to handle a little bit of attacks, uh, when when these things when these pests start coming around, because yeah. I found the ones I started in my, my kale garden, which has broccoli, uh, no, uh, Brussels sprouts and kale, they're fine. I don't even know if they have a hole in them. I should, they, they look beautiful. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know if it's the variety. I, I doubt it. Right. You know, um, I, I can't see the pest being that selective because I've got. Little, you know, pest problems everywhere. But that one garden, they, I'm sure some of the low, lousy lower leaves are being attacked. But anyway, that, that's if it was. And I've read about this. That this is what's this is supposed. I did it just happened by accident. But I did a bit of reading, and it that is one of the strategies. Get everything started early, and the plants will be mature, and they can uh, handle a bit of, uh, you know, they can handle pests better when they're mature. Cool. Anyway, so that's uh, three. Uh, Three big problems. I mean, there's other there's other kinds of pests that can cause you problems, but I I don't find any of them um, unless you have really bad year grasshoppers or something like that. But uh, really, those are the ones that seem to be giving or have given me serious grief. Um, so there's some tricks to deal with it, and if none of the supernatural tricks work, I mean, that's not supernatural. It's poor choice of words. If if none of the ultra natural <laughs> methods work yeah. uh, you know i mean it's odd for a permaculture garden to be talking about these sorts of uh, organic pesticides i mean they are organic they're you know they're approved for use in organic gardens um but the whole goal of permaculture is a, a self-perpetuating system that needs needs no out, no no inputs yeah uh, but if you're on the verge of losing your you know your all your kale um 
you're going to just sit there and watch it disappear. I mean, you got to do something, right? Yeah, exactly. So for me, this is the compromise, right? So I'm not using toxic stuff that's going to go into my soil and and kill everything. I'm using stuff that breaks down very quickly and is very pest specific, and uh, you know is is going to do minimal damage. And hopefully, uh, over time, I won't need it anymore, and I'll just have the balance I need of good and bad pests, and everything will just take care of itself. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, very good, and I'm looking forward to those videos, those pest videos. That'll be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was episode 41, and uh, just like every episode, you can find it at maritimegardening.com/slash zero four one. Um, the episode you referenced at the beginning, where you're talking about uh, rain, uh, was actually episode 12. So if somebody wanted to look that up, they can do that. And yeah, that'll do it. So uh, until next well, there's time. There's the oh. on the video, the video for the rain. Yes. Uh, now I don't know how to tell people to exactly find that. I know most of the videos you can find on our website. Yeah, uh, I think it's all, on the website. All of them will be there eventually, but um, they're also on our Facebook page. So if you're if you are really wanting to find it quickly, you could just go to Facebook, find Maritime Gardening, and then just click on the videos. And you'll find it there. Those videos, uh, those videos are getting gobbled up on Facebook. So yeah, also on YouTube. And YouTube, yes. Let's not forget YouTube. Yeah, that's right. So right on, everybody. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening in, and uh, take care. Hope your gardening's going well, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, bye. Thanks, Greg.